Have you guys ever noticed that actual banana slices taste better than just straight up biting into a banana? Do you ever buy the banana chips at the store? No, I don't. What are banana chips, Keith? You never had banana chips? I don't think so. Matthew, have you? Would you guys believe that I've only ever had one banana in my entire life? Have you ever had banana bread? No. I'm a very non-picky eater. I think you guys probably know that. I'm pretty down for anything. Um, But for whatever reason, growing up, I guess maybe I tried a banana and I didn't like it as a kid and then it just stayed with me and I never wanted to try it again. Um, And then when I was in college, that one of my friends was like, hey, man, I need to film a project for a class. Can you do it? And I was like, sure. And I can't remember why, but it involved like me eating a banana on camera. Like I walk out of a store and like my character like bites a banana that I like just bought and like I walk on or whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't want, I've never had a banana. Matt's defining role, and he can't do it. I took a bite out of it, and I was like, that was, I mean, that was good, but not good enough for me to, like, eat it a lot. So, going back <laughs> to the original question, I guess, no, to all questions, I have not had the chips, I have not had the slices, I ate a banana once, and it was pretty good. That is my review of bananas. Now, Austin and Keith, please continue this conversation because I am interested. <laughs> if you peel a banana, you know, peel it in the four layers, you put it on a cutting board, and you slice it up into little circular bits, that circular bit is going to taste way better than if you just peeled that banana and took a bite out of it. And if they're frozen, even better. There's a uh, food truck in Austin called Bananarchy. And that's all they sell is uh, frozen bananas. I got to say, I don't love the taste of banana, but a frozen with like peanut butter or chocolate option, that could be intriguing to me. That could be intriguing. Yeah, they had all the different toppings you can think of, just like an ice cream stand would have, except it's on a frozen banana. I thought this was going to be a quick little... Yeah, you guys agree with me, but Keith really dug in deep on the bananas this time around. I mean, he's got banana Keith chips, really he's bananas. got frozen bananas. Wow. Well, hold on, guys. Are you ready for my favorite segue we've ever done? Keith knows bananas, just like we all know our comedy movies. Oh, I thought you were just going to say comedy, and I was going to be like, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three man-children that may or may not grow up by the last day of camp with nothing better to do. I'm Austin Terry, and I don't roll on Saturdays. And I'm Keith Baker, and I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I will not be making any homophobic slurs, even though I think every single movie on our list does. On today's show, we'll be using a bracket to debate a question as old as time. What is the best comedy ever made? But before we get to that, Matt, we are in the middle of our newest bonus series covering every episode of Loki on Disney+. Plus. How's that been going so far? It's going pretty good, and I hesitate to say great because we've watched WandaVision, we've watched Falcon the Winter Soldier, and I know you guys would agree with me. We had some super high highs with those shows, but there were some lulls that definitely came about with WandaVision towards the end, Falcon and Winter Soldier in the middle, and right now with Loki, we're in a good spot. You know, we're four episodes in. We've really been liking it, and I'm really just hoping that these last two episodes come together, they're super satisfying, and if they do, we're going to have, I think, the best Disney Plus show in our hands, so I cannot wait to see where this goes. All the Loki episodes come out every Wednesday, so if you're somebody watching the show and want to hear our thoughts, 
Make sure you head to your podcast feeds every Friday because that's when we drop our reviews, including spoilers. I think we are moving towards the best Marvel show to date with Loki on our hands, but we'll have to see what happens when that finale wraps up. But hey, even if it gets low, the lowest of lows with the MCU does not compare to the lowest of lows with the DCEU. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is the lowest of the low with the DCEU? I guess Suicide Squad? Well, Keith would say Wonder Woman 84. Oh, that's true. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And with that, let's get into the bracket. We've got 12 comedies lined up, and it's time to battle it out to decide the best one. Matthew and Keith, comedy is so subjective. How the hell are we going to decide on this one? It's going to be tough. Obviously, you know, we, we covered this in our romantic comedy brackets where we said, okay, it has to be somewhat romantic, has like a has some sort of love triangle, love chase sort of thing. Then it also has to be really funny. Well, this one's just comedy, obviously. So is it funny? Are the characters somewhat, uh, I don't know how, how to really word it. Do these characters you root for, maybe? I don't That's know. So a lot of these characters are a piece of shit. Of them, but... yeah, exactly. <laughs> are they good characters, I guess? Uh, is yeah. the story, does the story flow well in the movie? Uh, that's all I have. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this, I feel like I've, we've said it before, but this really probably is our easiest in terms of criteria because it's like, what's the best comedy? And I think it's really only two things when it comes down to it. Yeah, there's a bunch of little things like Keith mentioned, characters, arcs, settings, all that stuff certainly helps. But the two big things is, do you personally find it funny? And then the other thing is, is it like a competent, well-made movie? I think that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the exciting thing about this episode that, we, that we've been talking a lot whenever we were watching all these movies this month is comedy is so subjective. So it's like we can all submit movies and you can watch one that is like, well, that's well made, but I just don't find it funny. I mean, comedy is so subjective. So I really think more so than any of the other brackets that we've ever done with different genres and different random topics we have recovered, I think it's just going to come down to personal preference i know that sounds obvious but i think in the past like we were able to kind of sway each other if that makes sense whereas this one is like if one of us found it funny and the other didn't then you know just going to come down to the vote yeah i think you made a good point there matt because it's different when some of the other brackets we've done because you it was easier to sway somebody like you said but with comedy if you just don't like it you're not going to like the movie at all like if something flops for you there's no way you can come around on it if it doesn't make you laugh so that's going to be tricky here I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think I am going to give a little bit of bonus points if I'm stuck between something for a soundtrack that fits the comedy. That's a good point, Austin. Yeah, I can think of yeah. a few on this list that have some really good soundtracks. Another thing I'll add is rewatchability. Yeah, that's a great point because I feel like with all these brackets, since we first started doing it, you've kind of been the champion of rewatchability or replayability because that's a big thing for you. And normally it is for me, but for whatever reason in these brackets, it never has been. It's like, if I'm trying to decide the best thing, I try not to care about whether it'll be good on the next time, if that makes sense. And I just want to say, in a vacuum, is this better than the other thing that it's up against in the bracket? But I'm 100% with you this time, because comedy, again, is also probably the thing that gets... And maybe comedy and horror movies are kind of the most screwed over when it comes to rewatchability, because once you know the jokes... It's like you watch it and you may watch a movie that you used to love and you're just like stone faced the whole time. Like maybe it's still a good movie, but you don't laugh. And it's like, does that make it worse? It's it's kind of hard to piece together in your head. I definitely had some of those movies on this rewatch that I still liked it, but I definitely wasn't laughing. So does that make it a better comedy? Like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. 
Well, I think it's time. We've talked about it enough throughout this past month. Let's get into the comedy bracket. We're going to roll some Segway music, and when we come on back, we'll be deciding the best comedy ever made. All right, Keith, let's do it. Why don't you inform the audience who our one-seaters are today? Yeah, Austin, so our one-seaters for today are Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Hangover, Wet Hot American Summer, and The Big Lebowski. That's our one-seaters. All right, so Keith just told you the one-seaters. Everything that wins in this first wildcard round will go on to face one of those films. Our first matchup of the day is School of Rock versus Role Models. School of Rock was released in 2003. It's directed by Richard Linklater. It stars Jack Black, Joanne Cusack, and Miranda Crosscove. And it follows deadbeat rocker Dewey Finn as he takes a long-term substitute teacher job at a prestigious prep school. And then we got Role Models from 2008, directed by David Wayne, which stars Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott as two energy drink salesmen that are forced into a Big Brother program to avoid jail time. It's already tough. Yeah. I'm trying to think of even like what to bring up as like the first thing to discuss. I I guess the thing that comes to mind immediately is we already said it. You have Jack Black in the lead of School of Rock and you have Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott as your leads and role models. I think Jack Black as the lead, he's just like one of the most charismatic guys ever. I think somehow his presence in that movie overshadows both Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott in role models. but. I gotta say, watching Role Models again, I do really enjoy it. I think it's it's one of those comedy movies that has a really hard line to walk in the sense that it's very hard R, which I love personally. But it is also really sweet. Like by the end of the movie, like you're watching Lair, like the LARP in real life fighting thing. And it's like somehow it's this really sweet emotional thing that all these characters came together as friends and big brothers. And it's like, how is this happening? It's kind of weird, but it works super well. And School of Rock is a movie that I think is less about making outward jokes, if that makes sense. I think Jack Black has always been super good at like, it doesn't always seem like what he's saying is a joke. It's just the dialogue he's saying, he makes it funny, which we talked about a few weeks ago on Loki with Owen Wilson. It's like, he's not making jokes. It's just the way he talks and delivers things is funny, uh, which makes the entirety of School of Rock funny. And the present is so amazing. So I got to say, this is one of those uh, matchups where both on a rewatch, I certainly enjoyed both of them. So what are your guys' initial thoughts? Yeah, this is actually my first viewing of Role Models. Oh, Wow. Okay. Um, and, and I got to say, Role Models is one of those movies that the f- intro of the movie is not funny at all. And when it started, I was like, oh, man, I am, I am in yeah. for a rough one with this one. But the intro is not great. Whenever it gets into the plot, it gets pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Coming into this, my argument against School of Rock was going to be, I love School of Rock. It's always been rewatchable. But I think the only reason it's really funny is just because Jack Black is surrounded by kids. But Role Models has the same premise. And it's way more heartwarming than it has any any right to be, kind of like you said, Matt. Like, I was sure. actually really bought in on these relationships by the end. Um, and then, like you said about School of Rock, I think this is, like, one of the best Jack Black roles I've ever seen from him. And uh, the way he just can do, like, body humor is so funny, too. Like, he can just totally embody this character. And you, and you can definitely tell that he loves rock and roll in the film, too. Yeah, for me, I think I've seen role models way more than I've seen School of Rock. So... Going into what rewatching School of Rock, uh, this movie is awesome, and I forgot how cool it was. And y'all, y'all pretty much nailed it on the head with Jack Black. Yeah, he really carries the movie. But 
There's lots of good child actors in that movie as well. Like Miranda Cosgrove yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Joanne Cusack as the principal. So many funny moments, and I just liked how he was constantly just trying to juggle everybody's expectations of everything, and he was he was able to you know satisfy almost every person in the movie. Keith made an interesting point there, and he said School of Rock is a really cool movie, and it is a really cool movie because of the rock and roll stuff. But I think Role Models just might be a funnier movie than School of Rock. Okay. Yeah, going into role models, which I've seen a shit ton, all the moments with, with Augie and uh, Ronnie. Ronnie was Ronnie hilarious. Is hilarious <laughs> in this movie. Fuck you, Ben Affleck. Why am I Ben Affleck? Be- are you white? white? Yeah. Then you Ben Affleck. <laughs> Sean William Scott's like, you are white. <laughs> you are white. <laughs> I don't know, Austin, I, you do make a good point, though. I do I maybe find myself laughing out loud more with role models than I do School of Rock, but, it's, but School of Rock is like a more of a slow burn when it comes to the funny. We spent a good amount of time now talking about both of these movies. We do have a lot to get through today, so I think it is time to place our votes. I'll cast the first one. Uh, I'm going to throw my vote, as much as I love School of Rock, I'm going to throw my vote for Role Models. I agree with what you guys have said. I think both movies are great. I think they both also have very heartwarming endings, which maybe, I didn't realize it going into this, but maybe that is kind of like a maybe like a bonus criteria I have. I like when comedies kind of have that heartwarming ending. And I agree with what Keith just said. I think role models is more like consistently funny, maybe like laugh out loud funny throughout. But School of Rock, it's just the premise, I think. That premise itself is just so hysterical to me. It still gets me. I think it's a better movie. And just the way it kind of combines with the premise, Jack Black's performance, the kids, their reactions, and just everything, all the side characters, I think I'm going to throw my vote to School of Rock. School of Rock, the entire time I'm entertained, I'm smiling. I like all the, the funny moments with him and each and individual kid and, the, and all the staff and the parents and everything like that. And, and role models, man, there's too many funny moments to count. There's a lot, lots of super bad humor in there. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and vote for School of Rock as well. Wow. It does combine the funny with an actually good movie. And not that Role Models isn't a good movie. I like that story as well. But I think School of Rock just takes it just a little bit further. Well, School of Rock will go on to face Ferris Bueller's Day Off in round two. And moving on here in the wild card round, we now have Superbad versus Old School. Superbad was released in 2007. It's directed by Greg Matola and stars Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill. And it follows two unpopular high school seniors as they attempt to buy booze for a party to impress a couple of girls that they like. And Old School, which came out in 2003, directed by Todd Phillips, which we'll see later with The Hangover, stars Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and Will Ferrell. So these three main characters are burned out in their careers and families, and they start a college fraternity and attempt to recapture their glory. Both of these movies are movies I haven't seen in years. Um, old school, I'm a little bit more familiar with than super bad. I gotta say, I was surprisingly impressed with how well both of these movies, for the most part, held up. There's certainly some cringy things in both of these movies, but I was laughing for the majority of both of these films. Will Ferrell as Frank the Tank in old school is still just a classic Will Ferrell role and one of the ones that kind of made his career. And then just the the long monologues between Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill are so well shot and still really engaging for the majority of Superbad. So I, I was just pleasantly surprised at how well, for me, both of these movies held up. This was my first time. I just got done before recording watching Old School for the first time. Oh, jeez. And it was pretty funny. It kind of had a Animal House kind of feel to it. You could definitely tell they took a lot of inspiration from Animal House. Yeah. 
And then Superbad, I've seen a million times. It's still one of my favorite comedies. As far as rewatchability, I could always put Superbad on. It's just a power punch with Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. All the shit they say in that movie is ridiculous. Lots of good side characters in Superbad as well. I really love these types of movies too with Superbad where it's a very simple objective and it gets more ridiculous as the movie goes on, but Superbad has a way of still making it kind of feel grounded within the context of its plot. Yeah, um, Superbad's a movie that for whatever reason I've seen so many times. I don't even know why. I mean, I like it a lot, but I've seen it so many times. And old school, I've, this maybe is like my third time watching it all the way through, so I'm definitely way more versed in Superbad. Um, I would say old school for a movie that's a few years older. It definitely held up a bit better than I thought. Definitely, like Austin said, there are some like whoa, cringy like moments in there that makes you wonder. 2003, this stuff wasn't okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like Todd Phillips was like, let's just have him have sex with like a 17 year old. Like, and it's like, why will they be together yeah. at the end of the movie? No, no point to that. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's like okay. Um, but yeah, regardless of that, Superbad certainly has crazy moments as well. I think the cool thing about Superbad for me, kind of what Austin was getting out there a second ago, which is you have really weirdly grounded. I mean, the premise itself, like you said, is super grounded, super simple. Like we want to go to this party. We don't go to parties normally. We kind of fucked ourselves and we walked into this weird situation where we said that we would get the alcohol. So that's going to be our journey. We got to go get the alcohol and then go to this party. And it's pretty cool. Pretty simple plot. But then the cool thing is, then you have Christopher Mintz-Plasse from Role Models that we just talked about playing Fogel, a.k.a. McLovin, obviously. And when he exits the main plot, I guess you would say, and links up with Bill Hader and Seth Rogen, then you get a comedy that isn't grounded on purpose. I think they did that so you kind of get like half a movie that's grounded and then half a movie that's just absolutely insane and ridiculous and super funny. So you kind of get both with Superbad, which is super cool. The standout in old school, it's Will Ferrell. Frank the Tank, his performance, by far and away the best. We're going striking! He was he was the only character <laughs> that had me like actually laughing. You're my boy, Blue! Like I was dying. <laughs> Killed me. So good. The rest of the movie, I think, is still solid, but he was definitely the best part. And of course, there's the standout uh, cinder block scene. Oh, yeah. That's a oh, good yeah. one. <laughs> That's a good poor, one. <laughs> poor Weensy. He falls off. <laughs> I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him. I did, too. Matt kind of made a good point there, too, with old school. The only character that is consistently funny throughout is Will Ferrell. Vince Vaughn is just a fucking asshole in this movie who does not care about his friends. And then Luke yeah. Wilson is just, like, he's almost just as bad for n- never really speaking up. Like, he just lets Vince Vaughn do whatever he wants. Old school, certainly, like, a lot of these characters do not hold up very well as time has gone on. Yeah. They didn't really do a good job of establishing the characters in old school. Not at all, surprisingly, on a rewatch. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of got me, Keith, is they were all funny in a vacuum, but you're so right that they just weren't set up super well. It just kind of happens, and then other side characters kind of interact with them sometimes and then exit and then come back later, and it's like... I guess they know each other. I don't really know. And then it's like there's funny jokes happening here and there in between. So I definitely laughed while watching it. So that was cool. But and and the premise is funny, obviously, like them buying this house and then Jeremy Piven's character comes in like, oh, actually, no, we acquired it. And then the whole thing is like, well, I guess we'll start a frat and then we have to pass a test so that we can actually stay here. It's It's a great premise, but I think the characters kind of bring it down, unfortunately, with the exception of Will Ferrell's Frank the Tank. Well, in the spirit of uh, of moving on, 
I think we've kind of made some good points about both these movies. It's time to cast our votes. Where you guys go into this one? Old school, like I said, the characters and story for one thing just weren't there for me. Super bad. Just like I said, just packs a really heavy punch with all the characters. Seth Rogen, Bill Hader, Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, Christopher Plass. Uh, so I'm gonna throw a vote to Super Bad, and especially it's a rewatchable movie as well. Gonna always put that one on. Yeah, Keith, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I'll also throw a vote for Super Bad, and everything you said for Super Bad is something I agree with. I'll say the only reason that old school is is mainly knocking my vote is just because um, as time has gone on, I've found the main characters of, of old school extremely hard to root for. I think especially now that as all of us have gotten older and and we're all out of college and kind of in our careers and stuff. We all know these people who are still holding on to their college days, and it's yeah. like you just got to move on. And so I just found the characters of old school harder to relate to this time around. It's a little bit sad, yeah, which maybe is part of the point. I, the one thing I will say about it that's cool, like genuinely, is I like that – this sounds weird to say, but I like that Frank the Tank doesn't get back with his wife. It's like they yeah, commit to I that. Yeah, I really like that too. And then he becomes like the leader of the frat. It's like, okay, that was kind of cool. They at least committed. But I agree with you. It's one of those weird movies. I, I, maybe it was like an old Honest trailer talking about Deadpool. And they were like, Deadpool's an R-rated movie. So it's for 17 plus year olds, but only 15 year olds will like it. If that makes sense. Old school <laughs> is kind of that. Like you'll only love it if you haven't been to college yet. <laughs> Whereas when you're out of it, it's like, yeah, it's funny, but a lot of it's kind of just sad and the characters are just dicks. No active college student would go party with these guys. No. I'd be like, what the no. fuck? I'm not going into your house. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think Todd Phillips will get into a better comedy movie that he made a few years later, later on this list. But I'm totally going super bad as well, I think. We'll talk about it later, so I won't get too much into it. But it's another example of a movie that I just love how they balance both grounded comedy and then ridiculous comedy and they definitely have some great heartfelt moments in there they have some actually emotional moments between characters that feels real and feels super satisfying by the end so definitely gets my vote well super bad will go on to face the hangover in round two and moving on here we now have mcgruber versus the other guys mcgruber was released in 2010 it's directed by jorma Takone. it stars will forte Kristen wig and val kilmer and it's based on the SNL skit of the same name. Speckoff soldier MacGruber is called into action to take down his old nemesis. What's the nemesis's name, Austin? Dieter von Kunth. <laughs> oh, so good. And then, of course, we have the other guys from 2010, directed by the incredible Adam McKay. This one stars Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, and it's a buddy cop movie centered around those that you would not expect two unspectacular detectives. I'll start us off for this one. Um, it's going to be pretty obvious where my vote's going to go for this round because I fucking hate MacGruber. Um, I cannot stand this movie. It does not work for me. I know why it works for Matt because he's an SNL guy. Um, the Other Guys was a movie I saw in theaters and had never seen again. Uh, and so this was my first time going back to it. It's one of those movies, again, where it like kind of it starts off as, on a high note. It kind of lulls in the middle there and then gets funny again towards the end. And the relationship between Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, the comedy of that duo together actually worked way better probably than it should. Um, and, and I was just pleasantly surprised with, with how much the other guys actually made me laugh again on this rewatch. All right, so I'll hop in real quick. Um, the funny thing about MacGruber is I, I'm not an SNL guy. I guess I was growing up, but this is one of those weird SNL movies where the skit that it's based on was 
basically, for those who don't know or don't remember, um, in one SNL episode, which was like an hour and a half, they would have like three, like two minute long MacGruber skits interspersed throughout the episode. And they would just be like the ending of MacGruber the movie, which is like MacGruber's trying to escape a bomb and it's like, I need X. And then they would throw it to him. And it would be It's a parody of MacGyver for those that don't know. And it would just be ridiculous. And then each skit ended with him actually like not being able to do it. And then they would just blow up. Um, that was the whole thing. So the fact that they made a movie about it was crazy. And of course, it was a box office bomb because who was going to go see this? And it's become a cult classic since I knew Austin wouldn't like it. I knew that. Um, and I actually didn't love it on this rewatch, even though I selected it. But here's kind of the kicker. I, I guess first I should say the reason I love it in short is because I just love ridiculous, crazy humor. And Will Forte just makes me laugh out loud. I think he's so funny. Um, but as for the other guys, the reason I'm actually having a hard time, even though I didn't love MacGruber as much this time around, was I've never liked the other guys. See, and I'm, I'm kind of with you on that too, Matt. For me, it's just a case of the matchup here. And I just actively dislike MacGruber. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I get that. And that's why it's kind of an interesting one for me, too, because I've never liked the other guys. I saw it in theaters. I've maybe seen it once since then. Maybe not. Um, and I'm kind of with what Austin said. It definitely starts on a super high note. It's another movie where the premise is super cool. I mean, the movie's called The Other Guys. So it's about it's not about Samuel L. Jackson and Dwayne Johnson. It's about these two randos that are just in the background that are forced into this plot. And my biggest thing is I think their banter, like Austin said, is funny at times. I think Mark Wahlberg is kind of weak in the movie. Not his performance, just the lines he's given, I don't think are super funny. And then the plot, I think, kind of sucks. Like, it's super confusing. It's like, in a simple comedy like this, why is the plot so out there? And it's not even like a super bad Nick Lovin playing around with the cops. It's like, this is stupid. This is Adam McKay saying, please, studio, can I make the big short? And they're like, no, make another comedy. And he's like, if I do, then can I make the big short? And they're like, sure. <laughs> and then he's like, I guess I'll put stuff like that. I mean, did you guys watch the credits of this movie? It's just like statistics about shit that nobody cares about. Like, yeah. what's happening here? So, yeah, in short, I like their banter for the most part, but I don't like the plot, and I just don't find myself laughing as much as I want, even though I love most of the actors in this one. So, it's a weird matchup. But, Keith, I know you love the other guys, so kind of what are your thoughts on both of these? Yeah, I love the other guys. Uh, the la like the, the confusion of the plot is kind of what makes it funny for me, too. Um, I don't know why. It, it just works for me. I just really love the characters in the other guys, too. Uh, like Mark Wahlberg is this was this badass cop, but he he shot Derek Jeter, so now he's a loser cop. And yeah. then Will Ferrell gets all these like hot chicks all the time, and everybody, all these ladies are always in love with him wherever he goes. But he's like a super nerd, drives a Prius, and lizard, listens to Little River Band. Uh, yeah. And then just the side characters, Michael Keaton as the captain, always cracks me up. And then even Rob Riggle and uh, so Damon Wayans Jr. Hope you like prison food. And penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think we've kind of covered both these movies in their entirety. So let's go ahead and place our votes. And I'll go first here because mine's obvious. I'll vote for the other guys. It just has more individually funny scenes I can point to, whereas MacGruber doesn't make me laugh at all. I got to go MacGruber, guys. I didn't love it as much this time around, but there are just too many incredible lines in this film. So many great, ridiculous moments that it just gets me. You guys know me. 
and this is my kind of comedy. We're going to talk about a couple more movies coming up, so it kind of makes sense. But whenever he forms, <laughs> whenever he forms his team, and then he accidentally puts C4 in the truck and kills them all. <laughs> so oh, good. Yeah. And then there's just like some random lines in there whenever he's like, Hans. And then he's like, born X and died. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, date of death. Who gives a shit? It's like, that was pretty good. Um, it's ridiculous. It's not a good movie by any means. It just makes me laugh, but I'm still going to vote for it because the other guys is a bit more of like a middle of the road comedy. And I feel like middle of the road comedies for me personally are almost worse than bad movies that make me laugh, if that makes sense. I think y'all know where I'm going to stand, but I'll just say with MacGruber, this is my first time watching MacGruber. I'd never seen it before. Well, I do agree. There was a lot of funny moments with Will Forte's character and and Val Kilmer's character too. Val Kilmer's great. I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm a big Val Kilmer fan, so it was cool seeing him in this more comedic role. And I loved all their moments, but I think I need to watch it a few more times to really let it sink in before I can actually call it being one of my you know go to comedies. So got to vote the other guys. All right. Well, the other guys will go on to face Wet Hot American Summer in round two, and for our final matchup of the wild card round. We now have Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping versus The Grand Budapest Hotel. So yeah, Popstar from 2016, directed by two members of The Lonely Island, Akiva Schaefer, and the guy that directed MacGruber, Yorma Tacone. This one stars the other Lonely Island member, Andy Samberg, and of course, Akiva Schaefer and Yorma Tacone are also in this movie. And then the plot, when celebrity pop star Connor For Real's latest album is a failure, he spirals out of control as he attempts to maintain his stardom. And the Grand Budapest Hotel was released in 2014. It's directed by Wes Anderson. It stars Ralph Fiennes and Tony Revolori. And it follows the misadventures of hotel concierge M. Gustave as he inherits a valuable painting. So, real quick, everybody out there listening, this is our grab bag part of the uh, <laughs> bracket here. Just in case anybody's like, how the fuck did these two come together that's why the other ones kind of fit together a bit better so we're excited to do this one because we have two extremely different comedies so i'm excited to see how this conversation goes i feel like in our brackets we always have like one movie that doesn't or just feels out of place for either the genre or the topic the grand budapest hotel is obviously one that i don't think anybody would think of it and go oh yeah that's a comedy but it is one of my favorite just one of my favorite movies in general. And mm -hmm. it also, I think, is one of the smartest comedies on this list today. I think the way it uses its humor is so clever and smart. Um, Popstar, Matt and I have talked about it briefly on a Loki episode. Popstar is a movie that has never worked for me until this viewing. This viewing, I found Popstar extremely funny. However, I did also enjoy this rewatch of the Grand Budapest Hotel as well. Same here. Okay. Okay. What about you, Keith? Have you seen Popstar before? I had not seen Popstar before, so I had no idea what to expect going into it. Okay. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, I loved it. I think the Lonely Island guys are really funny. All, I always love Andy Samberg. The last thing we saw him in that we, re that we reviewed in the podcast was uh, Palm Springs. Oh, shit. We should have put Palm Springs in this bracket. I thought of so many after the fact. I was like, <laughs> I should have put that on there. Um, and then going into Grand Budapest Hotel, I'd seen it once before. And on this rewatch, I, I loved it even more. I thought it was, it's a, like you said, Austin. You can take the comedy out of it, and it's a really good movie. But yeah, it's funny throughout, too. And I like its dry, really witty, kind of European humor. This is a tough one. I think with the grab bags that we usually do, there's always like one grab bag on the bracket. Uh, it makes it tough. I think um, Popstar just 
makes me laugh more throughout. I guess it's kind of like what we talked about with role models. I mean, I'm laughing more when I'm watching Popstar, but I also agree that Grand Budapest is kind of smarter, I guess, it's in its delivery. I would probably argue that most of the comedy comes from the Ray Fine sections of the movie. For those that haven't seen it, there's like other sections where an older character played by Tony Revolori is telling his story to Jude Law, who's a writer, and then Tom Wilkinson's the older version. So it's like lots of different timelines, and those are a bit more kind of straight and dramatic and emotional, whereas uh, the M. Gustav, played by Ray Fiennes, who's brilliant in the movie, so funny, and that's where most of the comedy comes from, whereas Popstar makes it tough because it's like a comedy throughout, and I'm laughing throughout, so it's like, how do I vote on this one? It's kind of tough. I just love the documentary feel that Keith mentioned. It's one that I've loved from the get-go. I think it was such a smart way to tell this story. And again, we also get some kind of heartfelt moments by the end. Watching them come together as a trio again is kind of sweet, like apologizing to each other. And then it's like, Connor, you get the uh, Grammy Awards. You're going to sing. And it's like, awesome. And it's like, but you only get three minutes. Are you going to do solo or your group? It's like, what do you want to do? And then it's the group. And then they kind of, because they did the documentary, it gives them freedom to cut back and forth between scenes where they're singing and also like, talking as a group if that makes sense so it allows for more emotional moments and also we gotta say it tim meadows is just one of the greats like underrated and everything austin if you don't know tim meadows plays harry uh the manager from tony oh, tony yeah. tony he's great tony, tony. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good in the movie um I just love it. It's ridiculous. There's a scene where they tell the camera guys to turn off their cameras and they murder a giant bee with a flamethrower. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. I love it. I love both the movies. I mean, how do you guys want to go through this? Because I think, like you said, it's like we have a pretty straight comedy versus one that's probably smarter, but also definitely has a lot more drama and emotional moments in it. So what are you guys thinking? Yeah, Popstar, while it did work for me better on this rewatch, there's still good portions of the movie where it's like, okay, you let Andy Samberg go a little too much Andy Samberg with this movie. I was in my head, I was calling it the Andy Samberg vanity project because it seems like they just really let him run with it. Um, there are some truly funny standout scenes and I, I do also love all the cameos that pop up. I don't know oh, how yeah. they pulled some of these off, but the cameos are great and, and really make for some funny scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a, a good bit to the movie where it does kind of lag for me. Whereas Grand Budapest Hotel... Everything about this movie I enjoy from the score, the casting, the relationship between Gustave and Zero, all of that stuff just really works for me. It's definitely not a movie where you're going to be gut-busting laughing all the way throughout, but I think every single joke they go for in the movie works 100% of the time and does make you laugh. And so because of that, I'll throw my vote for the Grand Budapest. That is actually a good point, Austin, as well. I think the score in Grand Budapest is like next level, and the soundtrack in Popstar I just love dearly. I mean, the Lonely Island, of course, a band, and those songs just get me. The Bin Laden song is <laughs> so funny. And then my personal- The Bin Laden one's great. My personal favorite is the one where they're clearly making fun of Macklemore and doing that equal rights song. It's yeah, just that Connor one's really funny, too. To do that, but every time it's like, I'm not gay, by the way. <laughs> it's like, so good. Um, I'll go next then, since Austin threw his vote. This is probably the hardest one for me. I loved, loved, loved Grand Budapest on this rewatch, and it's unequivocally the better movie. And it's one of those weird things that we've talked about the brackets before, where it's like, even though it's better, is it better in the context of this bracket? 
And I think I'm going to throw my vote for Popstar because it's a movie that I personally, it's like an hour and 20 minutes. So it's super short. It's very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I am just out loud laughing like constantly. And I've seen it maybe like four times now and it it still gets me. So that rewatchable factor is still in play. The fact that it's so consistent works. I love Grand Budapest. It's just that I get a bit more of like a drama and emotional feel from that. And whereas pop stars are straight comedies and it works. So I'm going to vote pop star for me. This one kind of, this matchup mirrors the school of rock and roll models. Grand Budapest. Yeah. You're not maybe laughing out loud every, you know, every few moments like you are with pop star, but it is more, uh, you're just constantly entertained and smiling the entire time and always just chuckling under your breath. Um, I think I'll, I'll go with what I did with school of rock and, Role models. I'll go with Grand Budapest on this one. It's a little bit more consistent for me, um, and I think it's overall just a better movie than Popstar. Man, I thought Popstar was moving on. Um, was okay, it was close. I will give you credit though, Matt. You've always championed Popstar to me, and I think this viewing, I finally got it. It was yeah. really funny this time around. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, well, Grand Budapest will go on to face the Big Lebowski in round two. And for our first matchup of round two, we now have Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus School of Rock. Ferris Bueller's Day Off was released in 1986. It's directed by John Hughes, and it stars Matthew Broderick, Alan Ruck, and Mia Sara. And it follows charming high school senior Ferris Bueller as he attempts to pull off his final day of hooky from school. Yeah, I I submitted Ferris Bueller. I think it's hilarious from the get-go. So many underrated actors and actresses in this movie. But yeah, I just I just like the story in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This guy just doesn't give a shit. He's playing hooky. He's going all around Chicago just doing these crazy things, not really having any worries about getting caught. Then you have his best friend Cameron, who's complete opposite of him, but somehow they're best friends. He was worried all the time. He's always trying to please his, his asshole dad. And then at the end, they both kind of switch roles. And Ferris is the one worried at the end, and Cameron is the one who doesn't give a shit at the end. Yeah, it's just funny throughout. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's kind of similar to what we talked about in our Best Pictures bracket with Forrest Gump. I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is one of those movies that, oddly enough, like just doesn't get enough credit for what it does. It's just a movie that everybody has seen, and everybody can quote the Bueller, Bueller scene. And it's a movie that I certainly did not expect to be funny on this viewing, and I was just pleasantly surprised at how much it made me laugh going through it again. And like you mentioned, Keith, every cast member brings it in this movie. I love the relationship between both uh, Matthew Broderick and Alan Ruck. And then also the relationship between uh, Ferris Bueller and Sloan is surprisingly sweet as well. So, um, yeah, I had a great time with, with Ferris Bueller on this viewing. I had a great time, too. I love Ferris Bueller. I've always loved it. Um, tons of great moments, tons of classic John Hughes cutaways. And the fact that they did the whole fourth wall breaking in this movie was super fun. Definitely kind of a new thing for the time. Um, so whenever I was young and first seeing it, it was certainly different and interesting and I- I've always dug it. I think, um, all I can really say, I don't really, I don't know how to word it. I guess just to put it simply, I, I think while Ferris Bueller has these great set pieces and great moments and a lot of great emotional moments, and of course some laugh out loud moments, especially with like the principal and, uh, his sister Jeannie in particular, I've always found funny. Dude, when Jeannie kicks him in the face, yeah. that, had me, that gut busted <laughs> me this time around. Yeah, no, it's good for sure. I think School of Rock just does a little bit more for me on the comedy front. 
I'm not saying it's a better movie because I don't think it is. But I guess it's kind of like what I argued last round. I just think that School of Rock, based on its premise, based on the jokes, based on the performance, based on how he's, how he, how he's interacting with these kids and the writing, I just think it makes me laugh more. I'm not saying I'm voting for it, but it's what I'm trying, again, what I'm trying to like figure out in my head is like, this one made me laugh more, so should I vote for it? Does that make it the better comedy? Like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay, so I mean, we all kind of shared our thoughts on School of Rock last round. And so now that we've all talked about Ferris Bueller, I guess we can go ahead and vote. Um, so if, if anybody is ready, let's cast our votes before this matchup. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to School of Rock from what I said. I still think it's a great movie and Jack Black and all the kids and principals and parents are all hilarious and the, and the whole story is just uh, awesome. But uh, Ferris Bueller for me, though, I think really hits every piece of criteria for me. It, it's rewatchable. It's hilarious. So many funny moments. The characters are awesome in it. I think it just does a little bit more for me. And I just like the whole feel of it. And, and bringing up soundtracks, Austin, I think Ferris Bueller has an awesome soundtrack. That twist and shout scene was great in this movie. Twist and shout. And then the, the Oh Yeah song at the end on the bus with Ed Rooney getting on the bus. That was perfect. You want a warm gummy bear? It's been sitting <laughs> in my pocket all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ferris Bueller's awesome. So I'm going to throw a vote to Ferris. I think this is a weird one for me because... I want to vote for School of Rock because, like I said, it makes me laugh more. I think the lead performance, it's not better. It's just a bit more of the role itself, I think, is designed to be a bit more comedic and just how it's presented. And the way characters interact with him, like Mike White playing Ned Schneebly, Sarah Silverman, Joan Cusack as the principal. It's just so funny watching everybody interact with him. And then actually, of course, over time, not like it's surprising watching him warm to all these kids and them warm to him is super kind of heartwarming. And then the, and then the fact that it's not it should be weirder by the end, but the fact that the movie just kind of ends with the performance and then it's like he's opened his own after school program that they still come to it's like okay they kind of all the weird part where he lied about who he was for like months whatever fine (laughs) so it just kind of works whenever the credits start rolling all that said while i just laugh out loud watching it jack black's amazing i think the way ferris bueller handles its comedy the way it handles its characters and the way the way they kind of interact with each other over the course of the movie and kind of intersect with the other stories, like the sister and his parents, and then, of course, Ed Rooney, is actually a lot smarter than it has any right to be. It's pretty intriguing, actually. So while I laugh more watching School of Rock, I think as a package, Ferris Bueller is probably the better comedy. So begrudgingly, well, I don't know if I want to, I'm going to vote for Ferris Bueller. Yeah, I guess I don't have too much to add there. Ferris Bueller, like you guys have said, just had me laughing all the way through. Every joke really worked for me this time around. I also think you get really great character growth from the beginning to the end of the movie, kind of like you teased Matt, um, which is pretty rare for comedies. So I, I did like where the character started and ended by the time the credits rolled in Ferris Bueller's. So yeah, my, my vote will be for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, and with that, Ferris Bueller is going to move on to the semifinal rounds. Moving on here in round two, we now have The Hangover versus Superbad. The Hangover was released in 2009. It's directed by Todd Phillips. It stars Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, and Zach Galifianakis. And after a bachelor party goes horribly wrong in Las Vegas, three hungover buddies must piece together their drunken night and find the missing groom. The Hangover, I think, holds a special place for the Arnies, because I think it was one of like our first movies we all three watched together 
in 09 when it first came out. First Probably. hard R comedy, I think we all watched together too. Yeah. When we were still just young little boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you get, you guys are right. This one is cool. I think, I mean, honestly, I think more so than anything, the soundtrack for this one is what kind of a, is a thing that we still bond over and talk about. We still play a lot of the songs from this movie, like by Kanye West and some of the other uh, performers that we like. I mean, we, we still play these old songs just because we watched them first in this movie and it definitely, we still joke about it. Even like the shitty sequels, they play songs in those that we also still play. So I guess <laughs> at, at the very least, shout out to the crew that put together the soundtrack because they did a really great job. Um, so speaking of The Hangover, The Hangover is obviously, like Keith said, it's one that holds a very special place in all three of our hearts. Um, it's always a movie, as I've gotten older, whenever I start it, I'm always like, all right, this is the time. It's not going to hold up. There's going to be something in here that just doesn't work. And every time it still works, man. The comedy in this movie is so funny. They chose the perfect cast for all of these roles. Um, at the time it came out, it also became just like an instant cultural phenomenon. Like everybody saw this movie and everybody enjoyed this movie from like all ages. Like all three of our parents loved this movie and they mm -hmm. loved it in 2009. And they didn't even care that we watched it, even though it was way inappropriate for how old we were at the time. So um, I, I don't know if that's something that's worth considering, but it was kind of cool to be around for like when this movie was a cult phenomenon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first time I watched it was I was not old enough to see it in theaters without my parents. And I remember they went to go see it and they came back and they were like, oh, my God, that was so fucking funny. Like, you have to watch it, but we won't take you because it's too inappropriate. <laughs> and luckily for me, they ended up uh, my dad bought it on DVD. And then one night, whenever my dad and my mom like went out to like dinner or something like in downtown. So like I knew I had a good amount of time. I'll, I'll never forget, like going to the DVD shelf and like this is it. This is finally it. I pulled out the hangover. I snuck it in. Even though nobody was home except my brother, I turned down the volume a little bit for no reason, uh, <laughs> even though I had hours. And genuinely, one of my most memorable, I'll never forget watching that movie. It's probably the hardest I've ever laughed. I was just a little like 14-year-old kid watching a movie that was so inappropriate, and I had an absolute blast watching it. Uh, I'll never forget watching it. And then, of course, we watched it soon after. Super amazing. Um Here's the thing, though. Watching it this time, Austin brings up a great point. This is definitely one of those movies that you watch it and you always expect, like, there's no way it can be as good this time, right? This was the time for me. Oh, no. This was really? the time. And I was so sad. I was so sad to say it. it's not bad. Definitely not bad. <laughs> I still had a great time watching it. I definitely laughed a lot. But I just didn't like it as much. So it's not like a, a negative review or anything. It's just... I did start to not enjoy it, I guess. I think there are some elements you can see carry over from old school. Keith and I, I think in particular, have joked about this before. The Vince Vaughn character in old school and the Bradley Cooper character here, lots of similarities. The yes. Bradley Cooper character oh, sure. is an absolute horrible person. And at the end of the movie, whenever he reunites with his family, you're just like, how is that possible? <laughs> and then Keith and I also laugh a lot. There's one of the worst cutaway shots I've ever seen. Whenever uh, Stu, played by Ed Helms, is having this great moment where he's finally dumping 
this girlfriend that is super toxic, it just cuts to Bradley Cooper weirdly smiling off in the distance <laughs> yeah. to like, wow, my friend finally did it. And it's like, you are the worst influence ever. <laughs> so. That aspect of Bradley Cooper's character having a family, though, it's funnier in this movie, though, than it is in old school, I think. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, that being said, I mean, while I did like it less and I laughed less this time around, I mean, Zach Galifianakis in the movie, and I, I will say particularly Ed Helms this time around, I did appreciate more. I think he's super great in the movie, playing kind of the straight man, I guess you would say, even though he still gets to have some like super fun moments. I mean, you guys definitely said it held up for you, but we also gave a unanimous vote to Super Bad in the first round, so... How do you think we kind of compare these and what are we thinking? Yeah, for me, The Hangover, whenever I pop that movie in, I just look forward to all my favorite parts in it knowing I'm going to laugh my ass off again. They always all hold up for me every single time. The, the Mr. Chow moments, uh, the Zach Galifianakis being like the fat Jesus thing and the Skittles in there. The Skittles in there might be my <laughs> favorite line. There are Skittles in there. <laughs> the Mike Tyson moments. There's always all these funny moments in that movie that I know I'm just going to laugh my ass off at and i think it's, it's probably more consistent for me than super bad okay well this uh might be a good spot to vote then keith do you know which way you want to go yeah i think so i think i'll probably go with the hangover okay and then i gotta go next here i think um actually you know what i don't think i can agree i don't know if the hangover is more consistently funny i just think super bad like i said earlier i i didn't expect it on this rewatch even though i've seen it so many times but like watching it with the view of like we were going to do this bracket so i wanted to pay more attention to like how they handled comedy the fact that they have this grounded just funny as hell story of like oh shit we've never been to a party these girls like us but we we have to get the alcohol because somehow we fell into that and we're going to make it to the party and watching them go through all these parties watching like joe latrulio as this guy that runs jonah hill over to get to a party um and then, dude, and then the McLovin stuff with Bill, Bill Hader and Seth Rogen in this movie are so good. McLovin, I'm sorry I blocked your cock. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then all the while, like Emma Stone and just all these other characters, like watching what they do. It's all Emma so Stone's, funny. Emma um, Stone's debut, too. First time ever acting. I know. And she's really great. She was great from the get-go. And I think the way the movie ties it all up in a bow, like genuinely, um, like the scenes where he's like, you've abandoned me. You're going to go to college without me. And then when it gets to the end, whenever Jonah Hill has to save him, quote unquote, from the cops and they come home and they apologize to each other. And then, like, honestly, I was getting almost a little bit teary eyed during the final scene where, like, they have Emma Stone and then uh, Becca's character come back and they both realize we can do this without each other. That's OK. And they go off with, like, their respective maybe like people that could be their girlfriends or something. And, like, they kind of keep looking back and waving at each other. Like, it's super sweet. Like, in a movie that's so funny where you get Bill Hader drunk as hell doing donuts and he crashes into a light post in a cop car, you can still get moments like this. And because of that, I think I'm going to vote for Superbad. It's kind of like what I said with Ferris Bueller. I just think as a package... It's just a more impressive comedy to me, whereas the best thing I can say about The Hangover is there's tons of great jokes in it, but I really don't think there's any heart, which is fine. It's just a great comedy, whereas I think Superbad just gives you a lot more, and it delivers on both the comedy, the drama, and the emotional moments, so I'm going to go Superbad. This is a hard swing vote here, because uh, like I said, this was Superbad was a movie I hadn't seen in a long time and really surprised me with how much I enjoyed it on this rewatch. Hangover is a movie I've seen a million times, and kind of like Keith was saying, 
I look just look forward to the scenes that I know are going to make me laugh. Um, the thing that I think is putting one of these movies over the edge for me is Christopher Mintz Platz's McLovin Ooh. was hilarious on this viewing to me. Sick. And while I do love Alan in The Hangover, I don't know, man. I think I'm just feeling super bad, so I'm going to vote for super bad. Wow. All right. All I'm right. really glad I did not have to be the one to make the swing vote because it was really hard for me to choose between these two. So Superbad and Ferris Bueller's Day Off will face off in the semifinals. And moving on here in round two, we now have Wet Hot American Summer versus The Other Guys. Wet Hot American Summer was released in 2001. It's directed by David Wayne, and it stars Janine Garofalo, Michael Showalter, and Paul Rudd. And it follows a host of camp counselors on the last day of camp in 1981. Matt, I know Wet Hot American Summer is a movie that you and I are both very fond of. Keith. I'm not sure what your thoughts of Wet Hot American Summer are, so I kind of want you to start us off. Okay. Yeah. I, I love Wet Hot American Summer. It's hilarious, and the comedy in it is really unique, I would say. I just like the quirky comedy in it, and it's really consistent throughout, and the characters are just so stupid. <laughs> and there's so many funny moments I could I could point out with Paul Rudd and uh, Ken Marino's character, like, crashing oh, the van. God. Christopher Maloney is so oh, great. Everybody is so Gene. good. Yeah, everybody's really good in it. David Hyde Pierce as the teacher. Oh, fuck my cock. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I like whenever David Hyde Pierce's character yells off his porch, like, you shut the fuck up, whore, or something like that. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Dude, there's just, I don't know how they balance it. Like, I don't know how they wrote this movie, because it's the dialogue is the funniest thing in the world to me. Just in that same scene, whenever... um. I think Beth is Janine Garofalo's character and David Hyde Pierce meet. It's just like, he's like, so what do you do? And she's like, I'm the camp director at the camp. What about you? And he's like, oh, no, I don't work there. And she's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) How do they do it? It's What Hot American Summer, honestly, is a movie that we did The Mask of Zorro earlier. Um, as in one of our favorite movies and part of that series, I would have done Wet Hot American Summer, but I knew that we were doing a comedy bracket coming up. This is just one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got to be, it's like when it comes to comedy, this movie just works with me. The dialogue, the characters, the actors, the quirkiness and the weirdness of the comedy, the way that they like play with silence too, and just... The way they just like subvert your expectations every time. It's like, I mean, they have a line where uh, Michael Ian uh, Black and Bradley Cooper are getting married and then his two friends are like doing homophobic slurs or whatever. And then later in the movie, they walk in like, hey, and it's like, oh, no, this is going to be really bad. It's like, we got you a chaise lounge. You didn't know that you had one. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening in this movie? (laughs) It just makes me laugh so hard and I love it. What do you I mean, what do you think, Austin? Because I've got to pair this one against the other guys. So I know you love What Hot American Summer as well. It's also a movie that is just really fun to show people. And I love how like Wet Hot American Summer makes you feel like you're in on the joke, especially because this was a box office bomb and now has become a cult classic. Like It just feels like when you watch this movie that you know something that the critics at the time didn't. Throughout the whole movie, every joke feels funnier because it just feels like this little like intimate thing between you and the cast that you're in on and you understand why it's funny. Yeah, even the little things. like I noticed some new things this time. Like Whenever... um another Joe Latrulio film. <laughs> he's in like all these movies, but whenever he's riding, he's chasing Ken Marino on the motorcycle and they just like do close-ups of him, but it's clearly like a stunt driver who's wearing a different wig. 
and then it'll just like turn away and cut back and then it's Joe Latrulia with like a short haircut. It's like it's just so goofy. I love it. They did that when he gets to camp too and he's in the conversation with Beth. It cuts to Beth and then it cuts (laughs) back and it's actually Joe Trulio and not the stunt double. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. I love it. I love it. I I feel like this one is pretty obvious. I don't I don't think there's any way the other guys is beating out Wet Hot American Summer. Um, are you guys cool if I just call an audible and say unanimously it's wet hot? I am. I really love the other guys, but Ooh. I'm voting for wet hot. Yeah! For our final matchup of round two, we now have the Big Lebowski versus the Grand Budapest Hotel. The Big Lebowski was released in 1998. It's directed by the Coen brothers and stars Jeff Bridges and John Goodman. And it follows Jeff the Dude Lebowski as he seeks payment for a ruined rug. Yeah, Jeff Bridges in it is just hilarious as this kind of out of character for him. He always plays like these manly, like kind of somewhat put together characters. Like we just covered him in Hell or High Water. He always kind of plays gruffer kind of guys. So it's really cool to see him as like this stoner, like white Russian drinking, just lazy, whatever kind of a dude in a bowling league with John Goodman's. With all his freakouts and and Steve Buscemi always just trying to chime in, and then you got shut uh, the fuck up, Donnie. John Turturro as 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 Jesus or Jesus. Uh, it's just such an odd and weird and awkward story. It's definitely a stoner comedy for sure, because it's just really far out there. It's kind of similar to what I talked about with Superbad, where it's this very simple premise of I just want payment for my rug, and it it spirals into this kind of grander plot with the kidnapping and and everything like that. Um, I just love the writing in this movie. I think the jokes are so funny. The tricky thing for me is it's also going up against the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think the thing about both these films is every time both of these movies go for a joke, I think they always work. Um, there's certainly issues with the John Goodman character in The Big Lebowski as time has gone on, but I just find that character so funny, and I, I love every time he's on screen. He just makes me laugh, and he's the standout from, from the joke side of things. He's the standout for me in The Big Lebowski. You are entering into a world of pain, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. Yeah, this is a weird one. I guess this is one of those matchups that kind of ended up working um, randomly down the line because now you have Big Lebowski versus Grand Budapest Hotel, which I would say are probably the two best quote-unquote movies, if you want to call it that, and probably also both of the smartest movies in terms of how they deal with the comedy, if that makes sense. I'm not saying these are the best comedies on the list. I'm just saying they're a bit more, I guess, higher level, if you want to call it that, when it comes to how they handle it. So it makes it tough. It makes it interesting. I think The Big Lebowski was awesome on this rewatch. I was kind of like, am I going to like this? I haven't seen this in forever, but I loved it. And it's, it's kind of unlike the other guys. I know a random example, but I talked about how that one had good comedy in it, but the plot kind of brought it down for me, whereas this one actually kind of has like a weirdly interesting mystery plot, um, which is also still really funny. And then you have a stoner at the center of it, which is a, just a pretty cool concept. And Jeff Bridges just knocks it out of the park. Definitely one of the best performances out of any of the people we have listed on this list here. Has the best opening, I think, of any of these movies on the bracket, too. For sure. They get right into it, which is cool as well. Um, it's so good. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I just, in terms of if, if we want to go ahead and start getting into comparing these movies, again, my my only issue with Grand Budapest in the context of a best comedy is that it has so many 
like straight dramatic beats and like sad emotional moments, especially towards the end, like with and Gustav dying. It's like, oh my God, this is like heartbreaking. I'm like feeling like I'm going to cry. And yeah, it has amazing comedy throughout too, but Big Lebowski, I guess, just has more of it. So I'm once again, kind of in a situation where it's like, do I want to give more points to something that is trying to be more consistently funny? Or do I want to give something like Grand Budapest more points because maybe it's the better movie, but that has less comedy? So what do you guys think? I didn't think there was any way Grand Budapest was going to win a comedies bracket. I just think it's worth being considered when we're talking about good comedic movies. The thing I guess that I just can't stop thinking about with Grand Budapest is every single joke hits in this movie and every single joke has hit every single time I've rewatched it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm kind of going where Matthew's going in the sense that I think Big, Big Lebowski does feel more like a comedy than Grand Budapest does, even though Grand Budapest is funny throughout, but it also has its, you know, all the dramatic stuff with all the story we've already, we've already been through or already gone over. Uh, but Big Lebowski is just so quirky and just really out there and, I guess, yeah, it has that stoner comedy kind of feel to it, where it just does random things that you wouldn't expect um, would just come up. Like, the bridge scene, I think, is always hilarious. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? And then the, the dream sequence, whenever he's, like, floating, like, upside mm-hmm. down, that thing always gets me. Um, so, are we throwing votes here, or what? Go for it, Keith. What's your vote? I'm going to vote for Big Lebowski. Yeah, I'm still torn. Um, the Big Lebowski, I think, definitely has funnier scenes than Grand Budapest does. And I think that's only because, like you guys have said, is The Big Lebowski is really just a straight comedy. Grand Budapest, I just think the comedy is smarter. But ultimately, I think I do kind of need to agree with Keith here. Um, I'll vote for The Big Lebowski as well, just because it is more of a straight comedy, and it does have just more funny scenes, I think, than Grand Budapest does for the entirety of the movie. Yeah, I'm with you. I will definitely shout out to Austin because whenever he put Grand Budapest on the list, I was like, I love that movie, uh, but does it belong on the best comedy? And after watching it again, kind of viewing it specifically for that reason, I was like, yeah, this definitely deserves to be on here. The movie's so funny. But like I said, it just, I feel like most of the time it's more of like this kind of epic drama. So I'm kind of with you guys. I just think Big Lebowski feels a bit more like a comedy and Luckily, for the sake of the bracket, it's funny as hell when it's trying to be. So uh, I think I'm going to go Big Lebowski as well. All righty. Well, Big Lebowski and Wet Hot American Summer will face off in the semifinals. And let's get into those semifinals right now for our first matchup. We have Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Superbad. Mm, these two are very different from each other. They both are coming of age stories, though, in the way. Both very character focused as well. They definitely both make a concerted effort to have the emotional moments and like kind of satisfying wrap up at the end, I would say, too. Maybe the biggest difference is Superbad is kind of like an R-rated version in a weird way. I think this semifinal is going to be interesting because we've kind of already had the really long, detailed discussions about all these movies that are in here at the moment. And I think really what it's coming down to, we've already established that everything here is super funny, especially down to these last four films. When it comes to Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Superbad, the thing I'm struggling with here for Superbad is I just find all of the characters in Ferris Bueller's, the main characters, I find them all so likable. And in Superbad, I really only find Michael Sarah's character likable. 
I think Jonah Hill is hilarious in the movie, but for the majority of the movie, he is kind of just an ass until he grows at the end. I am right there with you. I think, again, my biggest issue, I shouldn't say issue, but my biggest challenge when doing this bracket is, while I agree with everything you just said, my only thing that I would say to the inverse is that I laugh way more watching Superbad. Not that Ferris Bueller isn't funny, it's just that Superbad is like positioning itself to make more actual jokes, and they usually work for me. Um, Yes, this is tough. I mean, Keith, how about you jump in so I can try and figure out what the hell I'm going to do here? (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely say out of the two, I'm not going to swing my vote yet, but out of the two, Ferris Bueller is, I think, the better movie out of the two. Yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of with you there, too, on Superbad. Superbad does just have more laugh-out-loud funny moments. The dialogue in it is way more funny. I think I think Superbad is more of a di- like a dialogue focused comedy, and Ferris Bueller's more of like a pause physical comedy. Like with yeah. Ed Rooney, get- Ed Rooney getting on the bus, there's like no words spoken, but you're laughing your ass off the entire time. Just how of how awkward it is. And then mm-hmm. Superbad, it's just all this shit that just spews out of Jonah Hill's mouth, and all everybody, and every- and Seth Rogen and Bill Hader's uh, mouth. It's 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 incredible. So yeah, it's yeah. it's weird. Okay, guys, we've kind of all made our statements. It's time to vote, though. Which way are we going for the semifinals? Um, I'll, I guess I'll start us off. While I did find Superbad hilarious on this viewing, I found myself laughing more at Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So just for that fact, and because I think the characters are easier to root for, I'll throw my vote for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller will always be a classic of mine. Always going to be funny for me. While I do love Superbad, and I will always love Superbad as well, it's super tough to choose between the two of these, but... I think I am going to slightly lean a little bit more towards Ferris. Yeah. All right. I'm actually glad that worked out so I don't have to be the decider here. I think, (laughs) honestly, if I'm, yeah, if I'm just being honest, I think I'm going to go ahead and throw my vote to Ferris Bueller as well. I definitely laughed more in Superbad, but yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to vote Ferris Bueller. It's a great movie. It balances everything well, and I agree with everything you guys said. All right. Ferris Bueller's will move to the finals. And now to find out what it will be facing off against, we have Wet Hot American Summer versus The Big Lebowski. This one's easy for me. Okay, well, if you're ready to vote, Matt, then throw your vote. Oh, you want to throw my vote? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting because we, whenever we talked about Big Lebowski, it was in the context of Grand Budapest. And it was like both super smart movies, both like actually good dramatic movies as well both with i mean all these great characters and whenever they did throw the comedy out there super funny wet hot american summer it's an hour and a half of just constantly throwing jokes out at you constantly like keith said with super bad the dialogue even when they're not throwing a joke out the dialogue is just funny you also get the ferris bueller type moments with like just the situational and slapstick stuff you get everything every style of comedy pops up in wet hot american summer in some way Almost every comedic actor pops up, too. Yeah. Everybody that's ever been famous is in this movie. <laughs> um, and it just, I, it, I'm i just, even if I'm not laughing, I'm just smiling throughout it. I just think it's it's equally as smart as the other movies. It's just trying to do something so weird, but it somehow still feels like a really smart person wrote it. And I love the premise. I love the concept. I love that there's like this cataclysmic event introduced during it that's about to destroy the world. And it's like this, the nerds will figure it out. It's, it's just crazy. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I got to vote for it. Um, if it was up against something else that was a bit more straight comedic, I'd maybe think about it a bit more. But just in the case of 
it being up against the Big Lebowski, I, I must feel like I have to vote for Wet Hot by default. It's just, it kills me throughout. I think Big Lebowski is the better movie out of the two, but I think I'm going to go ahead and give my vote to Wet Hot American Summer as well. For everything you just said, Matthew, not too much to add to it. It just doesn't take itself too seriously, and the comedy in there is just gold. And I just like how I forget. I like how I forget about it all until I go watch it again, like a year later, and then I'm revisited by all of it. And it's just hilarious every time. So I can't fault you guys. Um, I think Jeff Bridges and John Goodman have more laugh out loud funny scenes in The Big Lebowski, but I think The White Hot American Summer is just funny from the time it opens to the time it closes. And like Matt said, well, I'm not maybe not laughing at every single scene in Wet Hot, I still am smiling and, and enjoying it every single time I turn it on, which plays into that rewatchability factor. So I'm perfectly fine with Wet Hot moving on to the finals. Okay, boys, the time has come. We've narrowed it down to two movies. We have Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Wet Hot American Summer for the finals. How are we going to do this one? This is it. It's the finals. We're going best comedy. Yes. Let's really break it down. Which one really makes you laugh more and why? I think Wet Hot American Summer makes me laugh more because you have this insanely big ensemble cast of characters and they do a good enough job of giving each of them like a couple traits to make them feel like individuals. The way they interact is super funny. The way they introduce that quirky, like subversive humor is funny. The way they introduce love triangles is funny. The way that all these 35-year-old actors are playing 16-year-olds is hysterical. Um, I just think the premise of the movie is so amazing. The dialogue is perfect, and it's just an insane movie. I mean, it was part of the ridiculous side of the bracket for a reason, and I think it's the pinnacle of that type of comedy. I mean, like I said, the, my favorite part about it is it gives you genuinely hilarious laugh out line like laugh out loud lines of dialogue. It gives you really great hilarious situations like Austin mentioned whenever they drive into town and they spend the entire day there and it just escalates from just like getting beer and eating McDonald's to they're doing heroin and all passed out from a drug overdose and then it turns out they were only in town for an hour <laughs> um, and then it also has dark humor and then it also has slapstick humor I mean it gives you literally everything in the context of one hour 30 minutes I love the characters. I love the comedy. It, I laugh way more watching it. I won't hold back. I will lock it in. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's a movie that I've seen countless times as well, just like Wet Hot. Um, I saw it as a kid. I've seen it as like a teenager, as a bit older, whenever like post-21 and like now for the rewatch. So I've seen it over all these different times in my life and it's always held up. My only issue with it, once again, is solely in the context of best comedies. If we're talking about better movies, I'd vote Ferris Bueller. But like Keith said, whenever we started out the finals here, I got to vote for the movie that makes me laugh more and the one that I think gives me more variety in the comedy. And that's undoubtedly what Hot American Summer. David Wayne nailed it. I got to vote for it. Locking it in. As we've established, I love What Hot American Summer. Keith made a good point, though. What made you laugh more while watching the movies? Wet Hot American Summer, I laugh more when I'm talking about it with people who actually love the movie. When I'm actually watching the movie, I'm not laughing out loud. Whereas Ferris Bueller did have me laughing quite a bit throughout the movie. 
in terms of the context of the best comedy, I love Wet Hot American Summer because of the like community feel you get from all the other people who also love Wet Hot American Summer. Ferris Bueller makes me laugh more than Wet Hot American Summer does while I'm watching it, so I'll throw my vote for Ferris Bueller. Did not want to be the last one on this one, but shit. Key, <laughs> just think about Ken Marino singing, thinking about going home to have sex with his friend, and then all of a sudden going, oh fuck, and crashing into a tree. <laughs> Cooper also has a training montage scene with Christopher Maloney. And he does all this growing and training. And then when they show you the timestamp, only five minutes have passed. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, they cut to like, like a AA meeting where he's like in a robe and like a coffee and a cigarette just talking about like, what's happening. But you're kind of proving my point. I'm laughing more now because we're talking about it and we all love it. I'm, but I'm not laughing at all that stuff during the actual movie. Fair. The thing about comedies, they're, they're all funny. I don't know. Everything makes me laugh. Well, with Ferris Bueller... There's lots of really like funny small stuff in Ferris Bueller that really hits me too, like the parking garage scene with the guys who work at the parking garage. Ferris is like, "Do you speak English?" And the guy's like, "What country do you think this is?" <laughs> <laughs> Just little stuff like that, and those guys take the car, and like the Star Wars theme is playing, and they they have all these miles on it when they get back. Dude, the Star Wars theme killed me on this viewing. I yeah. totally forgot that was in this movie. And just the story just wraps up perfectly on Ferris Bueller and. And all the little side moments, like with, with his sister Jeannie and Charlie Sheen, the the soundtrack really plays well into the comedy. I think I'm going to have to vote with Fer- for Ferris Bueller. Uh, but, oh, show me the fever into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Wet Hot is awesome, though. It's okay. It's okay. It's all Wet good. Hot's amazing. It's all good. Yeah. We almost could have called this one a tie, and I think I would have been okay with it. Yeah, I probably would have mm-hmm. too. A winner must be crowned, so congratulations to John Hughes and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You are officially the best comedy ever made, as decided by the Arnies. And with that, everybody, that's going to close us out for today. Once again, congratulations to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If there's any comedies on this list that we went through today that you haven't seen yet, I think we would all recommend checking each of these out. They'll all have you laughing in some way. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. And please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnies is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk about the newest MCU Phase 4 movie, Black Widow, which releases into theaters later this week, so be on the lookout for that. And speaking of the MCU, once again, we are reviewing each and every episode of Loki as it comes out on Disney+. Plus. We are four episodes in. We only have two more. We're loving the show so far. We can't wait to see how it wraps up. And once again, since each and every episode of Loki comes out on Wednesday, check your podcast feeds because we will be releasing our thoughts, including spoilers and all of our theories, the following Friday. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so... Message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Send us your favorite comedies and let us know your theories for Loki. Anything you say we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Oh, fuck my cock. Fuck my cock.